welcome back to Gaia's Mysterious Corner. We are glad you found your way back here. So as Darth Vader did with Luke Skywalker, join us. It's your destiny. Who are we? I'm so glad you had that question. I am Gaia, your host. And and I'm your co-host, Mellow Man. Before we get to today's episode... Anyone interested in sponsoring us can reach us by email at G, or at Gaia's Mysterious Corner at gmail.com. So with the serious stuff out of the way, let's get to our fun. Today we have another spooky story, so to speak. We're going to take your brain, twist it up a thousand times, then slap it in your skull and wish you the Best of luck after we jump headfirst into... The Bell Witch. Now, I did say we, and I kind of mean more along the lines of me, because this one's kind of going to be a a, a me-dominant show this time, but we have our our lovely, lovely host over here who will be interjecting with questions and, and comments of her own. Okay. So, I'm interested about this Bell Witch. You're interested about yeah. this bell witch. What do you know about the bell witch? I really don't, other than um, from because I tried to do some research and I really can't do the research on it. But I just know it, I think it originated from Tennessee. Yeah, it was Middle Tennessee area, kind of okay. around Robertson County. Okay, that's about all I would could, I could tell you. That's all you can tell me about the Bell Witch. That, and apparently she's a witch, so let's go with it. Okay, so during my research, I come across a couple of things. Alright. So, when I say a couple of things, I'm talking, I can give you the rundown of everybody in the house and what happened upon accounts that were... I guess you would say recorded okay. throughout history. And then I have a interesting, I guess you could say theory on what it could have possibly have been instead of a witch. Okay. So we've got the, the folk story and we've got the Scientology. Okay. So it's going to be, by the time we're done, you're either going to be scratching your head going, I just, uh, and I'm going to say, excuse the explicit language here, but I just don't fucking know. Or, hmm, good point. So, so you would say, after doing all this, it's best for everybody to go do their own research and see what they think as well. Yeah, there's probably more out there, but this one I did quite a bit of research on, just like our next episode. We've done a lot of research on that one as well. Yes. And y'all forgive us if the episodes get kind of short or kind of too long because we do kind of overdive some of these and some of them you just can't find a whole lot on. And we just don't want to be that type of podcast where we have... A lack of content, I guess you could say. Right. So, let's get into it. Okay. The Bell Witch is a legend from southern United States folklore centered on the 19th century Bell family of northwest Robertson County, Tennessee. Okay. 
Farmer John Bell Sr. resided as his family along the Red River in an area currently near the town of Adams. Adams. According to the legend, from 1817 to 1821, his family and the local area came under attack by a mostly invisible entity that was able to speak, affect the physical environment, and shapeshift. Some accounts record the spirit also to have been clairvoyant and capable of crossing long, long distances with superhuman speed. Okay. So, it, it can turn itself into whatever it wanted to look like, and it could go from point A to point B in snap of a finger. Shape shifts. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. And it's an entity. According to the folklore, it's right. an entity. Okay. So we're dealing with the folklore right now. Yes. In 1894, newspaper editor Martin V. Ingram published his authenticated history of the Bell Witch. Oh, okay. So there's books out there, y'all. Yes. The book is widely regarded as the first full-length record of the legend and a primary source for subsequent treatments. Okay. The individuals recorded in the work were known historical personalities. In modern times, some skeptics have regarded Ingram's efforts as a work of historical fiction or fraud. Okay. So, is it fiction or is it reality or was it fraud? Nobody is really knowing. Other researchers consider Ingram's work as nascent folklore study and an accurate reflection of beliefs in the region during the 19th century. Okay. While not fundamental element of the original record or recorded legend, the Bell Witch Cave in the 20th century became a source of continuing interest, belief, and generation of lore. Contemporary art, artistic interpretations, such as in film and music, have extended the reach of the legend beyond the regional confines of the southern United States. In his book, An Authenticated History of the Bell Witch, author Martin V. Ingram published the poltergeist name was Kate. So now we have a name for this entity. Okay, so its name is Kate. After the entity claimed at one point to be Old Kate Bates, which, uh, and continued to respond favorably to the name, the physical... Activity centered on the Bell's youngest daughter, Betsy, and her father. And Kate expressed particular displeasure when Betsy became engaged to a local named Joshua Gardner. Okay. So Kate didn't like the fact that Betsy got engaged. 
The haunting began sometime in 1817 when John Bell witnessed the apparition of a strange creature resembling a dog. Bell fired at the animal, but it disappeared. John's son, Drew Bell, approached an unknown bird perched on a fence that flew off and was of unknown, or I'm sorry, and was of extraordinary size. So it was a big bird. Okay. The daughter, Betsy, observed a girl in a green dress swinging from the limb of an oak tree. Dean, a person enslaved by the Bell family, so here we go with that, reported being followed by a large black dog on an evening he visited his wife. Activity moved to the Bell household with knocking heard along the doors and walls. The family heard sounds of gnawing on the beds, invisible dogs fighting, and chains along the floor. About this time, John Bell began experiencing paralysis in his mouth. The pneumonia grew in intensity as sheets were pulled from beds when the children slept. Soon the entity pulled hair and scratched the children with particular emphasis on Betsy who was slapped, pinched, and stuck with pins. Okay. The Bells turned to family friends James Johnson for help. After retiring for the evening at the Bell House, Johnson was awakened that night by the same phenomenon that morning. The, he told John Bell... It was a spirit, just like in the Bible. Soon, word of the haunting spread with some traveling great distance to see the witch. The apparition began to speak out loud and was asked, Who are you and what do you want? The voice answered feebly, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. The spirit offered diverse explanations of why it had appeared trying its origin to the disturbance of a Native American burial mound located on the property and sent Drew and Bennett Porter on an unproductive search for buried treasure. So now we're on a treasure hunt. Okay. Bennett Porter on an unproductive search for a buried treasure with the emergency of full conversation the spirit reported word for word two sermons given 13 miles apart at the same time. The entity was well acquainted with biblical text and appeared to enjoy religious arguments as another amusement the witch shared gossip about activities in other households and at times appeared to leave for brief moments to visit homes after an inquiry. So they asked the apparition a question. It would disappear and come back with an answer. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, so with all of that, it's already turning out to be quite of a head scratcher. Wouldn't you agree? Mm. Eh. Kinda. Kinda. How do you feel about it? How do you feel about the Bell Witch? Blank. Blank? Yep, blank at the moment. Well, the like, Bell Witch was... I mean, okay, and I mean, that's only because, like, I have heard stories of entities that were harmful to people, but that was because they were evil entities or spirits that were... laid to rest according to what they should they still had things here unfinished business yeah except for because they could never get it finished or couldn't do what they needed to be done or or something or like some have been buried with let's say without their head or certain body parts or something like that so they become angry kind of like the headless horseman in Sleepy Hollow yeah and so they went after Whoever and whatever. Right. But, you know. Well, now, as far as actually being really violent and really vulgar and ugly, the Bell Witch wasn't that. The The most you're going to get is what you see or what you heard. The, the, the pinching, being poked with pins and slapping Which and is kind scratching. Of, that, that's about the worst it ever really gets so with the Bell Witch. Harassment. Pretty much. Okay, so they're kind of like an evil entity. And it kind of, it goes down generations. Again, evil entity. Yeah. Unfinished so, business, someone who just, they were, you know, straightforward. Evil. Well, there is this uh, insert from, or I should say excerpt. From the journal of Captain John R. Bell. Okay. Uh, this was back in 1820. So, what did he say word for word? Word for word. He said, rather a singular circumstance was here related to me of a young girl of about 15 years of age residing but three miles from Murphy. A voice accompanied her which says she should marry a man, a neighbor. Thousands of persons have visited her to hear the voice in many instances it will reply to questions put to it the visitors have left as little satisfied in their curiosity as before they heard it many are under the impression that a ventriloquism imposed upon the hearers either by the girl or her brother who it seems is generally in her company her family is respectable Sounds like it's getting a little, uh... Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Losing your voice there. <clears throat> kind of. But it's it's alright. It's alright. But that was an excerpt from John R. Bell. Captain John R. Bell. Okay. So. So, uh, again, we've got a voice that could be manipulated by ventriloquism, which is also a very, very good point. Yeah, because that's been around for very long time 
that's been around for centuries. People. That's what I said. A very long time. Yeah, that, that's what I'm getting. No. At. It's been centuries. When was it supposed to originate? What year? Again. Um. Let's go back and look. It was. 1817 to 1821. Okay. Look here. An artist drawing of Betsy Bell. That was the little girl. The one that was harassed by the demon entity, whatever. So, in 1868, they had a trial. Okay. It was Clinton and Burgess trial in 1868. It was in September 1868. An article was published entitled Witchcraft and Murder, Hobgoblins and Old Gray Horses. Oh, okay. So they were pretty much trying to do another witch trial. Yeah, in in a way. Okay. Tom Clinton and Dick Burgess were arrested for the murder of Mr. Smith. The article reported that Smith claimed the powers of witchcraft while working near Mr. Smith. And where was this at? Uh, Ingram published an interview with uh, Lucinda E. Rawls of Clarksville, Tennessee. Oh, okay. So now it's in Clarksville. This person was from Clarksville, Tennessee. Well, the trial took place in Clarksville, the, Tennessee. Okay. Um, the Bell Witch was and is still a great scapegoat. A scapegoat for what? Every circumstance out of regular order of things is attributed to the witch. It has not been long since a man claiming to be the witch was waylaid and murdered by two men who were cleared on the plea that the murdered man had bewitched them. Okay, so, wait a minute, the witch is supposed to be now be a man? No. That's what it sounded like you just said. Okay, what they're saying is that two men committed a murder and got away with it by saying that the demon had bewitched them. That the bell witch bewitched them and that's why they committed the murder. But they called the bell witch a him. No. It has not been long since a man claiming to be the witch. But there you go. Since a man claiming to be. There's not a man that actually claiming, is the real, real bell witch. But he's. But what, I, what I'm getting at and the way you're reading it or saying it from your cliff notes is that a man is claiming to be the bell witch. Being the witch. Yeah. So meaning they're trying meaning to say, that he was possessed by the witch. Okay. Okay. That's what I was getting at. But that's not how you were saying That's why I was kind of like, wait, because you're making it sound like now the bell witch went from being a girl to now a, a man. No, it's that a man was claiming to be possessed by, by the, the bell witch. witch. So, that's what they mean by scapegoat. Okay. They're, they're using the so, excuse of, I was possessed by the bell witch to commit murders. Okay, so they're trying to get away with these murders by saying, oh, I was possessed by a witch. Right. Now, the side ending to the folklore, just to cut a long story short, yes. is pretty much all the family dies, but Betsy. Betsy lives on. She gets remar- or she gets married. 
even though the demon didn't like it. To the to the gentleman that was proposed to her? Yes, to the gentleman okay. that proposed to her. If you guys want to read more about the actual uh, folklore, you can look up the authenticated history of the Bell Witch. Rare, it's a rare book. It was written back in 1961, so it'd probably be kind of hard to find now. You might have to get on uh, Amazon or something along those lines. Or like a Books a Million or something like that? Yeah. Okay. And, and just to kind of throw a little bit out there, movies that kind of related to this were stuff like, and I know you don't like this movie because of the way the movie was, but it it, it, it ties in with this, and that was The Blair Witch. Yeah, I never liked those movies. Um, I like the second one better than the first one just because I'm sorry. You can say what you want. I can watch a documentary all flipping day long. But when I'm having to sit here and watch somebody running with the camera and everything's going up and down, up and down, left, right, left, right, up, down, it just, no, mm-mm. this is not a video game. That's kind of worse than a video game, honestly. I know. I know. That's like, you know, reminds me of uh, family gatherings or whatever, and people are like, here, let me take a video of, the, of what's going on around you, and it's just like the camera can't be still catch what you're trying to catch right so now we're going to uh oh we're going to jump into the uh the science of what they think might happen to mr bell okay so now this is the science stuff yes and they no, did this, this to mr bell yes because his death was the one that was so mysterious because the way he died. Okay. Now, Betsy was a Belle, right? Yes, Betsy was a Belle. She was the daughter. Okay. She was the daughter. Okay, so we've got a little... Now, did it ever tell you who all was in the family? Uh, It told a little bit about who was in the family, and then it told a little bit about who they had come and visit the house. To kind of get a... But, uh, like I said, they can... If they want to know more about it, they can always go and look up the authenticated history of the Bell Witch. And they can do a little bit more with that. But science may finally unravel the centuries-old paranormal tale of the Bell family haunting. A story that's captured, captured the imagination of area residents of Hollywood executives alike for more than 200 years. Okay. In 2008, they did a documentary drama and paranormal investigation series, Cursed, The Bell Witch. The five-part show premiered in October of 2015 and was filmed on location in Adams, Tennessee. Okay, and what was the name of the show? The name of the show was Cursed the Bell Witch, the five-part show. Huh. It was a five-part show, so they only did five parts of it. Yeah, this was in the, the Clarksville Leaf Chronicle. Oh, okay. Um... She became interested in the legend shortly after moving to Robertson County. Who was she? She being Katie Nixon. Okay. Uh, 
she went to the Bell Witch Cave site. No, and that's on Interstate 24's exit 11. Okay, what cave site? It, that, it's on the Bell Witch property. Okay. It, it's called the Bell Witch Cave. Okay. And it's... So when you Okay, when you say cave, is it like... I think cave, I'm thinking of like an old-timey cave, like a bear would have slept in or something like that. Or are you talking like um, a mausoleum, like... Like in the movie of Romeo and Juliet, or like, uh, would they put Jesus in, or something like that? It's kind of like uh, a bear cave, but it goes a little deeper than a bear cave. Okay. So, it's got one of them caves on the property, and it ties in with the Bell property. That's why they call it the Bell Witch Cave. Well, that sounds like a mining cave, then. But, all of their ex- Pyramids there. Mm-hmm. There's nothing paranormal that happens in the Bell Witch Cave. But since it's on the Bell property, they just it kind of ties in that way. Okay. But uh, she says I didn't know that it was so. I was, or I didn't know what it was. So I was curious, and then when I started looking into it, man said nothing. That one of the biggest draws to the tale. Is its believability. Okay. Okay, we all done went through a little bit of the legend, so. What they are breaking it down to is they think that he was poisoned. Didn't they say about what it was, po- what he was poisoned with? Well, back then, the most common poison was arsenic. So, kind of like rat poison? Yeah, kind of. I remember from some of like the old like the movies I used to watch as a kid uh, like Flower in the Attic and different things like that when they wanted to poison someone um, in the olden days it was like rat poison if they got their they hands put on put a little arsenic in the drink stirred it up or and it, baked it dissolved the, yeah or like dusted over like the food or something but now I know there was a podcast that I listened to uh, not long ago where somebody had used arsenic to poison it was a woman who had poisoned her husband and they had um, used kind of like if you were being a doctor or a nurse and was able to get it from like the hospital the doctor's office back in the older days right they used that too and that's what it was it was based on that something that happened like like in eighteen or nineteen hundred, early nineteen hundreds, um, they had used they considered that arsenic. Is that considered the same thing? And this too, it could have been. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of fixing to go into a little okay. bit because uh, it covers John Bell's final days. Okay. Because in the book, Richard Bell goes into detail about his father's final days. Oh, so this was on his father. Yeah, this was on the dad. Okay. Because uh, Richard was the son. Because you had John Bell, which was the dad. Okay. Then you had Richard Bell, which was the son. Betsy Bell, which was the daughter. And then the wife. I can't quite remember the wife's name. Oh, I would okay. have to go so back. So it was just him, his wife, and their two children. Yes. Did it have any other children? Uh-uh. Wow, okay. Um, one morning they couldn't get him up. 
man said, adding that the family members discovered a smoky-looking vial full of dark-colored liquid after John Bell fell into the coma. Dark-colored liquid? Yes. And that could be anything. I mean, that could be coffee, right? She said. But legend says the witch, who could speak, claimed the liquid was a poison she had given him the night before with the intention to kill him. Something she'd been threatening to do for some time. That sounds... It doesn't sound like a witch. It sounds like an actual human being. Let's see. And when you say she, that makes you think, well, was that his wife? Was that his daughter? Was that a family member? They never really get into that, though. Right. That's what I'm saying. And that's why that, that's believability is so widely accepted. Okay. That it was a witch. Which doesn't that make witches sound bad, though? Uh, yeah. The, you know, that's always been the thing through history, though. If you, Even if you go back to... Go overseas. Go to the England. <clears throat> Look at some of the stuff we learned about that. They were so cruel to witches. And it didn't matter if they were good or bad, they burn them. Yeah. It's kind of like our the Salem witch trial, the Salem witch trials that we know in history today. Right. And it was a bloody massacre. It it was it was senseless violence. Right. But uh, hearing this, the family decided to give the liquid to a cat to see if it really was poison. The cat died after ingesting it, and the family doctor said that the liquid shared a similar smell with the scent of John Bell's breath, according to Richard William Bell's account. Huh. I wonder what kind of arsenic they used. I'm not sure, but this is where it gets a little... Uh, the family decided to destroy the poison by throwing it in the fire and it ignited a blue flame. But a blue fl- blue colored flame isn't all that strange. Neither are the neuro- neurological symptoms John Bell faced. If you look at these neurological symptoms, those oftentimes are caused by heavy metal poisoning. Okay, so what did it say his neurological things were that one I would actually have to read the book they didn't okay. they didn't specify none of the research what his neurological symptoms were okay uh, let's see here yep yeah, see uh Leeds was quickly debunked because John Bell could quickly recover from his symptoms. The heavy metal also remains in the body for a longer period of time, continually building on itself. It didn't add up, but arsenic did. I was going to say heavy metal. Now, if I'm not mistaken, especially if you work in, like, I guess coal mines or... um, Even nowadays, like, metal factories and different places like that you could your body becomes immune to the metal yes and no the the coal miners they they developed black lung right and they couldn't live through it so they would die from black lung and which they're still to this day coal miners so 
Well, yeah, but they do it different now. They got respirators and stuff like that that helps keep their lungs a lot cleaner than what they did back in the 1800s. Right. But, I mean, still, they, you know, their body was immune to it for so long, and then it was... Right. Okay. Then they succumbed to it. Looking back to 1817, when the haunting began, man discovered about 50 known elements... Ten of which could cause a blue flame, the family observed. Okay, which are? Uh, let's see. Okay, she hasn't quite explained that just yet, so hang on just a second. We'll get to that. Um, it's a solution that can explain in the death of the cat as well as man... Cats lack a certain type of metabolism known as glucuronic acid conjunction. The chemical used to poison John was metabolized through that pathway. Arsenic is metabolized through glucuronic acid conjunction, allowing the body to quickly recover from small doses. It can be fatal in doses as small as 0.3 grams. Much less than oh, much less than leads lethal doses of 21 grams. At this time, arsenic was widely available. It could be found in nearly every barn, as it was commonly used as a rodenticide. So, so yeah, to kill rats. So rat poison. Yeah. Arsenic poisoning also aligned with many other details in the story, including the blue flame and John Bell's facial and muscle twitching. Okay. And when you combine all those together, those details that Richard William Bell wrote about make sense. The less paranormal stuff points to a very logical and common poisoning of that time and era. So, you can either believe the the fiction, or you can believe the science. Well, that or you got a third option. It's kind of a little bit of both. You add them together, but it doesn't... So, you said that there was a third option. It's a little bit of both. Yeah, I can see that. I just... I don't... The only things that really don't make sense are the, the hearing the voices. And everybody being able to hear the voices that showed up. No, that, I was going to say, yeah, that don't... That question's not really answered. That's kind of left out there for you to... But as far as the poisoning, I mean, I know... <coughs> And it's been proven, like, especially historically proven, back in older times, if a wife has been abused, or their children were being abused, whether it be sexually or physically or whatever, and they wanted to get their husbands to stop, the wives would, let me put a little arsenic in their food, or their drink. Yeah, I've, I've heard the tales of that. But now, I know uh, from experience that 
spirits or entities can like come into your home they speak to you and it can be more than just you hearing them others can hear it but you know it's why but I think there are another way of saying what is there like what is it like an empath I guess you'd say or a spiritual medium well yeah and they're needing maybe this spirit needed help crossing over and they're just not helping them but if you you go through and actually look at some of the stuff that was asked and some of the stuff that was said, they tried to get the spirit to go away and it wouldn't go away. Okay. Okay. So it's still one of those you kind of you look at it how you want to look at it. You can go by the folklore. You can use the folklore and the science, or you can just follow the science. Or you can jump in your car and go to Adams, Tennessee and visit it for yourself and see how you feel about it after you've been there. Sounds like something we might want to do one day is go and check it out. Yeah, we might. We might. It's it's not high up on my list of things to do, but it's something we can do. Well, everyone, I, I hope y'all enjoyed this. Um, I fully suggest that you go and do some more research on your own on this. Because there is a lot of unanswered questions. Especially trying to figure out, you know, if it's the folklore, if it's the scientific. Because they really, I guess back in the days, they couldn't really do investigations like they can now. Right. So, I mean, it's it's very interesting. Well, I mean, it's like uh, last week when we done The Devil's Tramping Ground, they're still doing science stuff on that particular site today. Yeah. And that site is over 100 years old, and they're still trying to figure that one out. So, this one not being as a, a done deal, all your questions answered, it's not a shocker. But that's the fun part about these. There could be a part two, there could be a part three. Okay. So, well, we'll leave it up to our listeners. If if they want a part two, let them hit us up on guysmysteriouscorner at gmail.com and let us know. Yes, please do. Or, they can look us up on Facebook. Same thing. Guy's Mysterious Corner. Yep. Let us know there. Do or, not be scared to. Or on Anchor, you can leave us a voicemail, voice message, and we can iterate that into uh, the show. The show. Um, I guess it means our time is up. <laughs> We thank everyone for joining us today. And we look so forward to you guys coming back next week because we got a real good one for you next week. Let's all put our murder mystery caps on, y'all. It's going to be fun. Until until then, y'all, y'all have a good one. Be safe. Bye.